The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Today, expert knowledge is so highly valued that we learn to lead first as the expert whose mastery of the details helps teams solve problems. Eventually, as your leadership role expands, expert leaders find themselves in a role where others know more. Details are no longer so accessible, and decisions are made without a full understanding. Welcome to Out of the Comfort Zone with Dr. Wanda Wallace. It's time to find out how to make the transformation smooth and flawless. Now, here is Dr. Wanda Wallace. Welcome to the show. I'm Wanda Wallace, and this is our continuing series on communication, focusing on how to help you improve the quality of your communication, particularly as you're leading outside of your expertise. With me today is Davia Temin. Davia, in in addition to being a delightful person, a fabulous coach, and a wonderful consultant, really specializes in building and protecting reputations. So, Davia, welcome to the show. To be with you today. And likewise. Now, Davia, every time I talk with you, I know you are very passionate about your work, and I also know you do a broad range of things. What's the thing you most enjoy doing? Well, you know, it's interesting. I got onto, into this business a long time ago because I became fascinated by who the public believes on any given topic and why and what you can do to affect that. So, for example, you have two people sitting across from one another, and one person feels passionately X, and the other person feels absolutely equally passionately about the opposite of X. Which one of them is believed in the popular forum and why? So I set out on a study, if you will, of persuasion. And um, because both actually believed it, it wasn't being manipulative. And to try to figure out why people are believed and why people aren't. And therefore, when you do fully have something that you want to communicate, what's the best way to communicate it? That extrapolates then to how you do that in a crisis and certainly how you both do strategy to lead and then how you make your strategy known by communicating it in the best way. Fabulous. I love that question. Why does the public believe someone, not someone else, and why? And we come back to that one in a minute. I just want to highlight that we've got four components that we're going to do on the show today. One is, what do the best leaders do? And the second one has to do with, how do we survive in times of crisis? And then the third one is this notion about conveying authority. And the fourth one is avoiding the derailers. And all of those are going to tie, I think, Davia, to exactly what you said at the very beginning about who believes you and why, and how do you communicate that both externally as well as internally, whether it's strategy or anything. Now, I can't resist asking, can you give, me, can you give us a one-minute summary of what do people believe and why? Extrapolate on that question a little bit more. 
All right, so is there a one sound bite you can give us that explains what the public believes and why they believe it? No, I think it is actually a, a um, an algorithm. It's an, it's a concoction of all different kinds of factors, and I think that that concoction actually changes from day to day, if not from hour to hour, especially in our world of social media, where there's so many different ways that ideas take premium that ideas are put forth and then they are believed. So it's very interesting because it's, a, it's an, a movable feast and you don't want to get stuck in an old way of understanding how best to communicate to the public because that will have been gone and there'll be a new reality right away. So what I love about it is that it's constantly changing and we are at Temin and Company constantly learning as we work with our clients. Fabulous. So an ongoing lesson. I have a feeling we're going to pick up some of the pieces of that algorithm as the show goes on. All right, so when I talk to groups of people, I routinely, when I'm doing a class on leadership, I always start the session with asking people to think about an admired leader within their own company, somebody they know reasonably well, know what they do, and, and I ask the question, what is it that sets that person apart? Without fail, I don't care, the country or the industry, the number one answer is communication. Now, do you find the same thing? Do you find that communication is kind of the one big distinguishing factor for leaders? To be honest, I'm going to disagree again. I think it very much depends on what they communicate. So I'm not all about just the form. I really am about the substance. And so I think what really matters is what, how a leader inspires, how that leader can create a vision that gathers people together, both within the organization and outside of the organization, and then moves them forward toward uh, a laudable goal. So I think you need, certainly, to know the form. You need to know how to communicate. And there are all kinds of ways that, that, that I teach that, um, whether it be listening to yourself a million times or actually the, the in and out coaching of it. But that is the least of it sometimes. What is the most of it that I work with people on is what their strategy is, what their vision is, and how they can go forward and inspire people. And that, I think, is what makes a great leader. I don't disagree with you, because I think people (laughs) say communicate and that they are terrible at understanding what aspects of communication really are driving the um, admiration and the inspiration. All right, so... This notion of, you said a couple of times, this notion that what the leader does is inspire and create a vision. So what is it that people, I hear this all the time, you want inspirational leaders. What do people do that makes it inspiring? Is it back to the strategy again? No. I, well, of course it is to some degree, yes. But I think that what, what we're also hearing a lot is that people, especially younger people within the workplace, millennials, but I think everyone, they work better, they understand what they're working for when it has a purpose. Now, corporations have credos, they have noble purposes, some of them they call it, they call it their, their corporate ethos or ethic, um, but what 
really inspires people to do their absolute best is to understand how their work, their day-to-day work, fits into a grander context. And by that I mean even bigger than themselves, even bigger than the company, even bigger than dollars, although all of that is important, as we know, but that it is in some way uh, serving a higher purpose within the community and for the world. After all, our world has gotten smaller. We do feel more connected, even when um, when we don't like it, when we feel closer to the people in um, in Iran or Iraq than than we do necessarily to people down the street, because we hear more about it on television and radio, um, over social media. So I think that this in, the the inspiration comes from setting a bold concept or context for what the work of the organization and for the individuals is. Well, bold context for the work of the individuals um, in the organization. Give me, can you give me an example of uh, someone you've worked with and the way they've transformed from being less inspirational to being more inspirational? Sure. And obviously, one never talks about one specific client. Uh, but I work a, a huge amount working with, with the CEOs of a lot of different kinds of companies, uh, colleges and universities, not-for-profits. And in all of these, of course, when you're the, the top person, your ability to lead through communication is critical, either in town halls or, uh, or through the media or in large public speeches. So um, right during and then in the aftermath of the banking crisis, I was working with the CEO of a bank. Now, not one of the major, major money center banks, but one tier down, and which made it pretty major. And this organization, of course, had gotten you know, implicated just like everyone else. But what he wanted to do was go back to what the real goals of community banking were, what banking was when it started, which was a safe place to put your money so that it could be protected and can earn interest, and a way to fuel the ambitions of the community when they wanted to start businesses and they needed loans for some purposes. So really a a partner in the community, if you will. And so what we worked on doing was a series of of speeches, and first of, of all, the purpose and the, the theory of it, the strategy of coming back to the basics of what banking really was supposed to be, then changing the organization to make it more that way as opposed to derivative-facing, for example, and um, and then to go through communicating that to the internal world, to the inside um, people in town halls around the country, and then to increasingly to bigger platforms of, of other people outside. Had to be believable, so you had to do the, do the work first before you communicate it. Otherwise, it looks like, frankly, you're putting lipstick on a pig, and that doesn't work. Everybody sniffs that one out. So you have to have it be real first, and that kind of inspiration as to what the, the origin of banking was, and then go forth with the, with the communication. 
So I get your sense now of what you mean by a vision and a strategy, the sense of it's almost around a purpose and intention, uh, what we want to be, if you will. Yeah. Um, so in the case of a bank, we want to go back to our roots as being a community bank. And then to put the organization in the right state to actually execute on that notion. Yeah. And then to communicate it, both internally and externally, so that it is now plausible both internally and externally. And that gets yeah. the momentum going. That becomes the inspiration for people, something right. people can grab onto. That's right. Okay. That's right. And now, similarly, in, a, in, in the crisis itself, if you determine to be a still... A, 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 a still center of authority around the crisis and, and somebody who people can trust in that moment, then they will put more trust in you and you will become a better leader. All right, somebody people can trust. We're going to come back to this notion of what it means to trust. I like that you said three times now we've gotten this notion of what the public believes or not believes, someone people can trust, and that your message is believable, and that those become a bit of the cornerstone for, without those, it doesn't matter almost what you say, it isn't going to work very well. Well, I think everybody understands that most people lie. And unfortunately, a lot of people in the public trust, both corporate leaders as well as political leaders, dissemble. They don't tell the full truth. And this, of course, makes everybody cynical in listening to them. If you can distinguish yourself from that, wow, you have a leg up and you have a hope, because I'm sure we all hope to be trusting. We all hope to have a leader who we can trust in, who we can be inspired by, whose vision we sign on with. And um, if you can be that leader, that's powerful. Okay. That's incredible. Very incredible. I think we'd all agree with that one. All right. We're going to take a break at this point, but let me just sort of summarize where what I have heard from you, Davia, along the way is that what makes for some of the most admired leaders is the way in which they communicate a vision, a sense of purpose, and use that to inspire people, to gather people together, and to move forward towards, as you said, a laudable goal. Um, and that the purpose, any sense of purpose greater than myself and how I fit to that sense of purpose can be quite inspiring, provided it's believable. And believable because you, the leader, are credible in telling it, trusted in telling it, and believable because we've done the hard work to get ourselves as an organization ready for it. We'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. If you want more information on the coaching and seminars we offer, go to our website at www.leadershipforuminc.com. 
If you are interested in finding out more, you can also purchase a copy of the forthcoming book or any of Dr. Wallace's current books by clicking on the links under the resources tab on our website at www.leadershipforuminc.com. You're also sure to find some handy links, videos, and more to help you create a winning strategy for your organization. Leadership Forum, Inc., helping organizations get it and keep it. Are you an entrepreneur that wants to achieve more? Not just in it for profit, but to do work you find meaningful that adds more value to more people in more ways? Listen for Be More, Achieve More, Inspiration for the Entrepreneurial Mind. With host Chris Cooper, you'll hear from successful achievers from around the world with the passion and experience to offer invaluable guidance. These people are making a difference and will help give you the motivation and insight to achieve more. Be More, Achieve More can be heard live Fridays at 8 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Out of the Comfort Zone. To reach Dr. Wanda Wallace or her guest, call into the program at 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to wanda.wallace at leadershipforuminc.com. Now, back to Out of the Comfort Zone. Welcome back. I'm Wanda Wallace. With me today is Davia Timmon. Davia is a fabulous coach and consultant who specializes in building and protecting reputations. We've just been talking about communication and what is it that the best leaders do in communicating that really sets them apart. And the summary, as I highlighted from the last discussion, has to do with a leader inspiring, both setting a vision and a way to move a group of people forward in a credible way, but that a vision is inspiring, and what makes the vision inspiring is it's connected to a sense of purpose, a purpose that is believable to me as an employee or me as the public, um, and that we have actually taken steps as the organization to move towards so it seems plausible to us as an organization. All right, so David, let's go backwards and say, well, not backwards, let's take the next step and say, yes, but sometimes when you have this grand scheme of your vision and your purpose and you're rallying people behind it and you're communicating in a great, incredible, trustworthy way, stuff goes wrong. And I'll give you my favorite running example at the moment had to do with the airline crash in Germany earlier this year. There's no way you could have predicted that. And you could be as on track with your vision and mission and purpose and everything as possible, even credibly. But at that moment in time, your reputation is called into question as a company and as a partner company. So, David, what is it? What do you do to sustain your great track record and communication and reputation in the middle of the crisis? Well, it's rather like refiner's fire. You get forged through high heat to see whether you can come out either finer, stronger, better, more believable, more trustworthy, or exactly the opposite, that you crumble, that you melt in a clinch. We all know that there are a series of, because I do so much crisis management, and we're called in in everything from cybersecurity to product recall and drug recalls to bad behavior by just about everybody to you, you name it. Um, 
that one realizes that while some people can communicate very well and, more importantly, think very well during a crisis, other people can't because they can't get uh, flexible enough to get out of the groove that they've been in. So the first thing is you have to be able to be flexible to understand that life changes immediately the moment that there is a crisis. And if you go into defense mode, you're making a major mistake. In fact, I have a column on Forbes.com. It's called Reputation Matters. And I just published in the past uh, two weeks something on the first 15 minutes of a crisis and how what you do in those first 15 minutes really does affect the trajectory of how the crisis unfolds. It used to be in the old Tylenol case that people felt that they had three days. In Tylenol, it took them three days to figure out how to pull or to pull the drug from the marketplace. And they didn't really come out publicly until then. Today, you have 15 minutes to say something, even if you don't know all of the facts. So crisis immediately puts you out of the comfort zone. It puts you out of your communications comfort zone. And most importantly, it puts you out of your strategic comfort zone. So that's when crisis response means everything and how quickly you can pivot in uh, internally, certainly, and externally, certainly, to address things as they're unfolding in the moment. Because you have to say the exact right thing to the exact right people in very little time. This is a major um, communications and strategic challenge. Okay, so if you had been CEO of German Wings at the airline crash, the news has just came across, lives are lost, you don't know what happened and why, was it a terrorist, was it an airline pilot, or what was it, what would you have advised somebody or what would you have said in this first 15 minutes? Okay. Well, first of all, I, I do want to say that for an airline company, an airline crash is uh, a planable crisis. <laughs> It is a predictable crisis. So every, in fact, airlines have done crisis management better uh, and for longer than almost anybody has done. That's why when you don't actually do it in the right way, it is, it's a shame. Um, the same way in Indonesia, there were two Indonesian planes that crashed, and one CEO did a fabulous job. The second CEO, the first CEO did not. Uh, because they went into detail and defensive mode. So the first thing you, you, you say is um, we understand that there has been a tremendous tragedy. We are getting only early reports. We do not know the full details of what is going on, but we are putting every, every um resource that we have to bear on finding out right now, and we will stay in steady touch with the public and, and the, everyone who's involved and the families of everyone's involved, and we will let you know what we find out the minute we do. That is our promise to you. So what you've done at that point is you've established yourself as a voice of authority and a trusted voice of authority. You have basically said you are going to be in continual contact. You are not going to lie. You do not say you know what's going on when you don't. You do not 
diminish what's gone on or poo-poo it in any way because, boy, if you do that and it turns out to be serious, you have lost any trust that you'll have ever had. Um, but you do say, we don't know yet. And we are, putting, we are doing everything humanly possible to find out, and we will stay in touch. And then you follow your word. You do stay in touch. Maybe you, you set up a war room, you, I mean, because if you're an airline, believe me, you have the capability to do that already. You have some place for reporters where they can be. You set it up on, on point. You have people who are talking to each of the families one-on-one and staying in touch with each of them and is delegated to them. You have psychologists on, on hand. You have real people who are not being manipulative or they're there kinds of people, but people who can truly be of help. Meanwhile, you're trying to find out what happens, what happened, and do the due diligence. And if indeed it was your mistake, even though your lawyers aren't going to like this at all, there's always a healthy back and forth, you're going to say, we are, we are, our hearts are broken by what has just happened, and we are going to find out the real issues, and we will let you know. And if you did make a mistake, you apologize. Because there's all kinds of research that says that if you make an apology, believe it or not, people don't sue you as much. So not only is it the right thing to do, um, it is the human thing to do, but it's also efficacious for your company. Okay. All right. So I get the sense from all of this, Davia, that first off to recognize flexibility is the rule of the road at that moment in time, that what you thought you were going to do is out the door and on to a new game. Yep. That you cannot give, the first 15 minutes matters and you have to say something. You don't want to give detail. You don't want to get defensive. You want to be fairly upfront, straightforward and say, we're troubled by this or it's horrible of tragedy or something empathetic um, and say that you don't know and you'll find out and you'll stay in touch and I guess also show a fair amount of empathy for the feelings of the people that are involved and affected always always but but you know it is worse to feel as if it's fake empathy than to not have empathy too much empathy at all because some people who don't do it well can t- be trying to do to be empathetic and it will come across poorly. And this all has to be planned out before. Okay. So, and what makes it, do you have any sense of when we, ju- I see people, let me back up, I see people who genuinely are f- empathetic, but the way they communicate it doesn't connect. Do you have any sense of what it is that makes us disbelieve someone's sense of empathy? That's a great question. And in fact, uh, both um, as a psychologist and as, as, um, as a coach and as a strategist, I think about that all the time and devote a lot of, of, of my work toward figuring that out. And I think that for many leaders... Empathy has not been something that they have developed in the course of leadership. I think that's changing, by the way, but I think in the old school leadership, that was not seen as how to be authoritative. That was not seen how to, uh, to run an organization or lead something. So therefore, it's not a skill that has a lot of, of um, practice behind it. 
and it is important to do that. So I think that, especially in um, in a breach, you, you don't try to do something you haven't tried to practice before, and that you don't know that you're good at. And um, if you can't be good at it, or if you're not in the moment, you go back to simply being authentic and real. And I think that that is far more, um, for less dangerous than somebody who doesn't know how to be empathetic well. So let's take, for example, um, the iconic one these days, which is uh, BP, British Petroleum. And after the whole uh, explosion on the rig, and you know that the CEO, who was a Brit at the time, he came out, he tried to do the right things. He really did. And in many ways, he did do it. But it, it felt grudging. He felt like he was taking time off from his yachting. Um, he sort of looked like a yachter. And it wasn't believable that he was really twisted up inside about what had happened and what was happening to the Gulf Coast. He didn't believe it. And at one point, he made that ill-advised comment. Because he was pushed, he probably hadn't had any sleep. Um, he was exhausted. And he said... I just want my life back. Well, that is one phrase that will go down in infamy because you can darn well be sure that the nine people or seven people who died wanted their lives back too. And it was one of the things that helped him become relieved of his duties because it was so wrong. Now, if he couldn't be the person, the face of the organization, who would show the right kind of authenticity and empathy... He could have picked somebody like Bill Dudley, who's now the CEO, who was an American closer to the Gulf, who did have that aspect, and he could have deputized that guy to do it. And that would have been a far wiser course for him, because this is different from leader from excuse me from communication. It is real leadership. Okay. All right. So we're going to take a break. If I just summarize the kind of comments I think from crisis. It's flexibility is the absolute watchword, and the first 15 minutes matter a lot. It's avoiding the detail. It's not being defensive. It's say you don't know. You'll do everything you can, and you'll be in touch, and then do those things. And then some show of genuineness, authenticity, concern, or empathy in a real way. And if you can't do it in a real way, find somebody who can do it. That's kind of the whole watchwords for this particular segment. And above Perfect. all, don't lie. Okay. Perfect. All right, fabulous. We're going to take a break. Okay. When we come back, I want to come back to this notion of the authority. How do you convey authority in an emotionally savvy way? We'll be right back. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. If you want more information on the coaching and seminars we offer, go to our website at www.leadershipforuminc.com. If you are interested in finding out more, you can also purchase a copy of the forthcoming book or any of Dr. Wallace's current books by clicking on the links under the resources tab on our website at www.leadershipforuminc.com. You're also sure to find some handy links, videos, and more to help you create a winning strategy for your organization. Leadership Forum, Inc., 
helping organizations get it and keep it. Dialogue is the single most powerful leadership tool we have to make a difference in the world. Leading conversations with host Cheryl Esposito creates a place for that dialogue. Tune into the Voice America Business Channel every Friday as Cheryl hosts new conversations among leaders from around the world in business, government, art, economics, and social change. We'll explore big ideas and everyday actions and learn how their own leadership has led them to discover a newfound sense of possibility in the world. Leading conversations with Cheryl Esposito, bringing big thinkers together in conversations that make a difference right here on the Voice America Business Channel every Friday morning at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Out of the Comfort Zone. To reach Dr. Wanda Wallace or her guest, Call into the program at 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to wanda.wallace at leadershipforuminc.com. Now, back to Out of the Comfort Zone. Welcome back. I'm Wanda Wallace. With me today is Davia Temin. Uh, Davia specializes in helping people develop their communication, both from a strategic point of view, from an inspirational point of view, and particularly in times of crisis, especially specializing in building and protecting reputations. We've been talking about what great leaders do to inspire, and the watchword there is connect with a sense of purpose in a believable way. And then we were talking about crisis, when things go wrong, the need to be flexible, but at the same time to respond immediately, accurately, authentically, hopefully with a bit of empathy in some way. So, Davia, this time I want to talk about this notion. There are two notions here that are tied together in all that we've said. And we've used the word over and over again, trustworthy, believable, credible, um, what makes people trust you in effect. And equally, we know that when you stand up to convey a message, you have to have some sense of authority because if you don't look like you're a bit in control, then you're not going to be believed and uh, accepted either. You're going to be discredited. So how, how do you, let's start with the authority piece and then I'm going to come back to the believable piece. How do sure. you convey authority without coming across as overbearing and dictatorial? Yep. And again, this is another algorithm, Wanda, that is changing, another formula that's changing in real time as our culture changes, as uh, all of uh, the ways we communicate change, and as leadership is defined and redefined as we go along. So the question is, uh, and I work with CEO clients and a lot of people on how to both have the strategy behind them, and then how to communicate that effectively. So, you know, as well as I do, when somebody takes the podium, and all of a sudden they are simply annoying, or they have some way they, A, you don't trust them, you get a gut feeling that you don't trust them, you don't like them, uh, and you don't believe them. There are other times when somebody comes on. This, is, this goes into everything from executive presence to a person's own internal hmm, mental health, I would say. 
So, for example, when somebody comes up to a podium and starts to speak so quickly that you can't understand what they're saying, you get a gut feeling that they're trying to put something over on you. Now, that may or may not be it. It may be they're so nervous that they're speaking, they just want it to be over with very quickly. But that's not necessarily the way you read it. So, listeners read the intent of the speaker, not with 100% acuity. And that means that it behooves the speaker to, to figure out how to speak his or her truth in an authentic way. Authentic is a way overused word, but I think um, underlying its underlying meaning is really important. That you're saying the truth, you're saying it for the public, for the people who you're listen, who are listening to you's benefit. You have their benefit at heart. You have the authority and the power to make things happen and to make things better, and that that is your real intent to do it. Now, this is a vast overgeneralization, because the whole thing is, of course, it depends on what you're saying, to whom, when it is, what the circumstances are, etc. The few things that you can count on to, uh, that you need to do right is, first of all, what the tone of your voice is and how you speak. So when I was a little girl, my dad, you know, I'm the only kid, so therefore you can, you can see why this happened. I think from age five on, my dad would say to me, now, Day-Day, don't talk too high. Don't let your voice get little girlish, he said. Nobody's going to follow your lead if you do that. <laughs> well, that was probably the farthest thing from my mind, but it certainly, um, he never got off of that, which was to lower the tone of your voice so that it has more resonance and it has more authority. That's an easy one. Number two, speak well. Have your diction good. Have your grammar good. Make sure that you work on that, and and we do work on that with people a lot, um, so that when you do speak, you sound right. Third, not too fast, of course. Pace it. Because when it seems like you respect your words, other people will too. And those are three of the, the big, big things that will make somebody be able to speak with authority. And of course, it goes without saying, you'd better know what you're talking about. Which means, taken for granted, you have done your homework to the nth degree. You're not going to try to wing it. And you are absolutely, positively not going to lie. Okay. And presumably, not wing it means when you don't know, you say, I don't know. Yeah. And we'll find out. find out. Right. We'll find out. Okay. So the tone of voice, I love this notion that you say it's not so much the pitch of it as it is the resonance of it. The, yeah. um, uh, because that is the part that we relate to and connect with. So, and that you it's speak. It's also the pitch, though, I do think. I mean, I really yeah. do. I think if it's pitched too high, it draws away from authenticity. Okay. Authority. Okay. Well, we do find that when people are nervous, the tone of their voice tends to go up. Yeah. And you can, you, you, an audience will recognize that for exactly what it is very quickly. And then they see as, you know, either not competent or not trustworthy. Yeah. 
Um, And as you say, I believe audiences always interpret whatever you do in the worst possible light. So (laughs) if you think they're going to give you credit for just being nervous, forget it. They're going to think you're lying or the worst thing they could think. All right. So the tone of the voice so that it has resonance, that you speak well with diction and with grammar so that you are articulate, I guess is the right word, that you manage your pace. I like the way you said that if you don't respect your words, no one else is going to either. And that, of course, you've done your homework and you know what you're talking talking about. Now, flip to the other side on, um, from, that was about authority. Is it any different when we're talking about trust? When I'm standing up in front of a group and I want the group to trust me, is there anything else I should do? Well, I do have a few tricks of the trade that I am not going to tell you about on this, on this podcast. So, yes, there are some, but I'm not going to share all of them. <laughs> Otherwise, why would they call? Um, and there, there are some things that you can do. But I think that, um, I think sometimes one of the things that I can share when people feel untrustworthy is it looks as if they think just about themselves. They're wrapped up in themselves when they're up there in, fr- uh, in front of whatever group of people. And it's all about them, 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 me, 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 me. Us, 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 us. Unless your audience is part of the us. So if you're an internal town hall, it's a very different thing from when you're talking to uh, an association of customers. But... If you're too self-involved, people are going to think, look, they're not, he's not going to care about me. He's going to care about himself in any situation. And there goes the trust right out the door. All right. I love that. Last week um, in the show with Joe Wald, we were talking about a particular individual that he had coached to improve communication. And the number one starting point for change had to do with the individual watching himself on a videotape and realizing that every other word was I, 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 I. So here we are right back to some very simple things like the language that you use in a way that conveys perhaps it's not all about you. That's right. And of course, uh, being videotaped, videotaping yourself, being videotaped is critical to improving that style. However, what I have found is sometimes people think they can do it themselves. And you know what? They can't. Because invariably they focus on, oh, I should have lost those 15 pounds. Or they think about, I don't like the color of my hair here. Or whatever it might be. I should have worn a different color tie. They're not necessarily being able to focus on the real determinants of, of trustworthiness. Because it's hard. It's very hard for them. So you need an, an external party to be able to help bring you to that. And it depends. Different people come to that realization in different ways. For, so, for example, it's not so easy getting somebody to stop saying I, I, I so much. You, you think being coming aware of it is the first step, but it's only the first step. And there are many steps afterward to be able to make a change that is sustainable and strong. So I agree with you. It's um, easy to look at yourself on a videotape. It's hard to diagnose what you're doing and not doing, and even harder still to sustain that change over a period of time. All right. 
I'm going to make one last comment here, and then we're going to go for a break. Um, so you said around authority that it is the tone of voice, the resonance. Um, it is speaking well with diction and grammar. It's a pace, not too fast, and it's, of course, knowing what you're talking about. And we add with trust this notion that you leave people feeling that it's not all about you or your immediate team, that there's a greater whole. I'm going to add a second part around the trust that I think ties back to what we were talking about under crisis. I do fundamentally believe that if you cannot show an appropriate level of emotion for the context, I don't mean act it at, I mean show it, that an audience never believes you. So we're right back to that whole emotional competence being a cornerstone for your ability to be believed and trusted. Okay, we're going to take a break. When we come back from break, I want to talk about the big derailers. Kind of just a hit from Davia, what are the absolute things not to do as a bit of a checklist? And we'll be right back. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. If you want more information on the coaching and seminars we offer, go to our website at www.leadershipforuminc.com. If you are interested in finding out more, you can also purchase a copy of the forthcoming book or any of Dr. Wallace's current books by clicking on the links under the resources tab on our website at www.leadershipforuminc.com. You're also sure to find some handy links, videos, and more to help you create a winning strategy for your organization. Leadership Forum, Inc., helping organizations get it and keep it. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. The business community's first choice in Internet Talk Radio, Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Out of the Comfort Zone. To reach Dr. Wanda Wallace or her guest, call into the program at 1 866 472 5790. Again, that's 1 866 472 5790. You may also send an email to wanda.wallace at leadershipforuminc.com. Now, back to Out of the Comfort Zone. Welcome back. I'm Wanda Wallace. With me today is Davia Temin. Davia is a specialist in building reputations um, and helping people in communication, whether that's in times of inspiration, in vision, or in times of crisis. And we have been talking about how to inspire How do you talk to people in troubled times? How do you convey authority? How do you build trust? And I want to turn now to just make sure we've talked on every single one of the derailers that happen in communication. So, Davia, what are the things we absolutely have to watch out for? What's our checklist on not to do? Okay. Well, this gets to be one's favorite list of 
sort of bugaboos, the thing you really shouldn't be doing. So my number one favorite is when people put a question mark after a declarative sentence. So you're saying, it's sunny out, and you're happy that it's sunny out. Or you're saying, it's sunny out? Which all of a sudden means that you are questioning your own statement, and if you have leave to question your own statement, so does everybody else. So, uh, you usually find it among women, but not solely among women, by the way. And I think there are places like Canadians often will have that be part of, of their language and the cadence of their language, other cultures as well. Irish sometimes. So you have to be very careful to take your cultural grounding and adapt it to the culture in which you're going to be speaking. Even if you're all speaking you're always speaking English. So one, do not put a verbal question mark in your voice on a statement that that is not a question. Okay. There goes your credibility. Shot. Two, don't talk too fast. Really not so good. Nobody can follow you. People do listen at a slower pace than they talk. And if you speak so quickly that you lose people, then their mind bounces to what they're going to have for dinner and you never get it back. So you don't want to do that. Two. Three... Boy, there are a lot of lot of things competing in my mind for number three. Ums, uhs, ahs. It's actually okay to have a few of them because that makes you human, and that makes pe- people, you know, believe you, like you more when you make a, a little bit of a mistake because everybody does in this world. But if you do it too much, or you get too shattered by your own mistakes or too flustered by your own mistakes, you lose your, your, the people with whom you're speaking as well. Whether it's a client, whether it's a customer you're trying to bring in, whether it is media or whether it is your own, uh, your own people or, of course, speaking to a, a larger outside world. How about those for a few? That's a pretty good one. Now, I presume in that you would also add the current trend of saying like. Oh, yes, like, um, I mean, all of those kinds of things. What I, what I say to people, generally they're younger, who use like, and by that I'm saying under 30, maybe, maybe up to 40, is you sound like a valley girl. And who's going to trust a valley girl for anything more than a suntan lotion re- recommendation, right? So you don't want to do that. And it's, it's hard because it really is a verbal tick. And there, but there are ways, and there are ways that I know how to do to get um, over those verbal ticks and eradicate like from your language unless you really like something. All right, so it's we often talk about those as throwaway words. It's um, they're garbage words, they're filler statements. So to yep. lose those, all right. Yes, so we've got again, the post- again, it's not so easy just to lose things. You know, there is a vast difference between being able to give somebody a 
a recommendation on what they need to, know, to do to improve and to actually get them to do it. Because in many ways, we almost all know what we need to do to improve, but it's really hard to get there. And I think that's especially true when it comes to communication skills. Okay. All right, so we have the question mark at the end of a declarative sentence. We have, again, the pace. Slow it down. I really like your statement that the listener listens at a slower pace than we can talk. And if I lose you, then I have you thinking off on something else. So I, And getting you back is really difficult to do. And then there's all those filler phrases, like, I mean, um, uh, mm, or my own getting flustered with the fact that I just said it again. Um, any fourth one that kind of comes to mind? Mm-hmm. Never coming up for air. Not having any variation in the way you speak almost like speaking on a robotic level. It's very interesting. I, I, have, um, uh, I love to listen to books on tape. I do that when I drive. And there are lots of wonderful readers who read these things with inflection and voice, and they're terrific. And then there's a whole new mode of robotic uh, reading of books, and it, they've done a lot of books this way where it's clearly a robot who's just reading the words. So there's no inflection that's inferred from the meaning in these things. And I actually have a couple of those books that I unfortunately bought that um, have a robot voice doing it with no meaning. And it's infuriating. You can't listen to it. You get turned off. And I have some, two of the same books that have done, been done by a person and been done by a robot. So what you realize is, is that the meaning has to come through the words. That can be emotional uh, intelligence. That can be resonance. can be all different kinds of things. But your voice has to reflect what it is you're saying. Great. I like that. Your voice reflects what you are saying. Um, And I know exactly what you mean. I often hear lots of uh, talks for people who sound quite robotic. There's no pause. It's just all monotone. It is virtually impossible to hold your attention. Right. Don't you think about what you're having for dinner? Anything other than what it is the person is saying at that moment exactly. in time, including how quickly is this going to be over. <laughs> so, exactly. And again, the pauses give you as a listener a time to process what has been said, to think about it, to connect it to some other things, to reflect. And I find we often think that the pause is interminable, and frequently it's just a very short three-second beat, and it's enough to draw attention well, in. That's relativity. So you know how Einstein described relativity to a young man? How's that? Who was, who was, a, uh, who was not a scientist. He said, you know, my, you know, son, when you're kissing a pretty girl and a minute feels like a second, and you have your hand on a hot stove and a second feels like a minute, that's relativity. <laughs> so it's all relative. Fair it's enough, all relative. Davia, thank you for being with us today. My complete pleasure. What a, what a lovely way to spend a Friday. <laughs> fabulous, fabulous. I think the thing that strikes me out of all of this one is just once again the reminder about how important being believable is and that there are so many components that come into making believability. Resonance in your voice, the lack of the question mark, the pace, 
the preparation, the honesty, the ability to show the right emotion. There's a lot of components. But as an audience, we judge whether or not you are trustworthy. And that's the part that stands out for me today, whether that's in a vision, an inspiration, or in a crisis. So next week, we're going to continue in our series on communication, but this time we're going to focus internally on communication with your direct report, specifically about how do you coach a direct report or how do you have a more difficult conversation around performance and feedback. So join us then. Thank you again for joining us for Out of the Comfort Zone. Tune in again for another edition with Dr. Wanda Wallace next Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time and 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Take charge this week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.